This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. And maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Uh, I'm doing excellent, thank you. Mm. Uh, Thomas, before we get started today, quick correction from last week. Uh, I think I pronounced it both Chile and Chile. Uh, we had a correction from uh, Joey who sent us an email, cve at equitymates.com. Uh, thank you very much, Joey, for sending through the link of the rowdy Chilean footballers for reference. That was very helpful. Uh, pointed out that uh, it is in fact pronounced Chile uh, is the correct, correct pronunciation. Uh, also, Thomas, that we may not have been entirely factual uh, or well-researched, which doesn't come as a great surprise uh, regarding Chile's history. Uh, something to do with, I think you called out that there was a poet that got slain, murdered, mm. uh, maybe it didn't happen. Yeah, sounding a bit like my managers at the RBA. <laughs> blah, 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 accuracy, <laughs> blah, blah. Uh, all right, well, thanks, Joey, for setting, uh, setting that through. Anyway, much appreciated. Uh, and, Thomas, would you believe we have a massive show coming up, oh. as always. Uh, and, look, I don't want to get all sentimental but consumer sentiment is down. Do consumers just need more CVE? Uh, and despite ballsing up our last attempt at covering South American economics, we're heading back there to take a look at Argentina this week. Uh, Argentina's inflation is running at 97% and not in a good way. And you can no longer buy coins on Binance by depositing AUD. It's too dangerous Credit cards are still fine, though, obviously. Uh, but first, Thomas, apparently there's been a drop in the number of job ads. Truth? Or did the guy doing the report just install an ad blocker in his browser? Because that will do it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. You're no, way off beam. don't even know where to start. But, yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks for the introduction. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, last week last week was jobs week, so we got a whole bunch of All jobs right. data. A uh, little insight into the labour market started off with unemployment. The unemployment rate ticked up from three point five percent to three point seven percent. We don't want to read too much into the monthly numbers that can jump around a little, but mm. we had been waiting for the unemployment rate to tick up. Was the the partial indicators were soft, so we were, that was expected. And at three point seven percent, it's not too high yet. But like this, you get the sense. Most economists seem to get the sense that this is where the the unemployment rate starts to lift, and we just continue to drift higher from here. 
Right. One of the interesting stories in the employment data is that there's a real gender dimension to it. So if you look at the unemployed, the number of unemployed men is up 60,000 and the number of unemployed women is down 18,000. Ah, so women are taking men's jobs. Yes. No, no, that's not, I don't, no, I don't, that's not, that's not the takeaway. I mean, it's probably, I thought that would be a good thing because, you know, a bit of, bit of a quality. They do a better job. Mm, Yeah. It's probably right. Pivot to quality in the labor market. (laughs) We had a turn. We had a good run (laughs) and now it's the ladies turn to see what they can do. So I think it's good. Yeah. 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 No, we just, it's just the humans trying to outmaneuver AI. Mm. So like, I really need to get the good guns into the jobs market. Right. No, yeah. So, I mean, it's probably more of an industry story, but it's just, yeah, interesting that they're, they're moving in opposite directions. Male unemployment's gone up from last October from 3.3% to 40%. Uh, sorry, 4%. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the women are doing our jobs much more efficiently. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're up to three point three to four percent, and right. unemployment rate for women's down to three point three percent. So, right. okay, yeah, that's and that's a low for, for women. That's the lowest level since records monthly records began back in seventy eight. Mm. What does this do to say the RBA and their view on interest rates and things like that? Are they going to chill out a bit? Well, I think this this was this was expected. I mean, probably the key data we get that we got also got last week was the quarterly wages data. Mm. So we get that every three months. Um, that was up 0.8% to 3.7% over the year. That's the strongest annual rate in a decade. But at 3.7% is not particularly strong. Mm. Um, you know, like RBA is saying it can deal with anything up to 4.5%. Um, and the, the quarter on quarter numbers are now falling. So yeah. That certainly look looks like the peak of wages pressure is behind us, right? Mm. And fewer, and that's and the other thing is with that is that fewer number of people were getting a pay rise. So, where in December quarter it was two thirds of people got a pay rise in the survey. Now it's down to forty percent. What does this mean, sort of medium to long term? Then are we heading towards? You know, obviously people talking about recessions. Are we heading towards a market that's just going to be harder and harder to get a job if you've already got one? Like should you be hanging on to it? Because we went through a phase over the last, you know, year or two Mm. where it felt like everyone was just like, I'm sick of doing this, I might go do something else and they just got a new job because mm-hmm. um, there was just so many jobs going around. Is, it gonna, is, this, is this the start of things getting a lot tighter, a lot harder? Uh, I think so. I mean, it, it's still at 3.7%, it's still tight and mm. the wages pressure is the best it's been since in a decade. I mean, we do have the highest inflation rates mm. in a decade too, so that's sort of, that, they tend to go hand in hand. And, yeah, I mean, and this is also the point. This is what the RBA is trying to do. They're trying to slow the economy to take the heat out of inflation. Mm. The way you do that is by making people unemployed or some people unemployed and sort of taking the heat out of the labor market. Mm. That's sort of the point. Yeah, we're, we're definitely on the path to recession, mm. but w- whether we get there or not, if we can get if we can get inflation down before we get to recession, then we can maybe pull away, pull off the path to recession and we get that soft landing and everything's good. Mm. But if we don't need if we don't bring inflation down, the RBA will try to drive us through the recession. Right. Into and through the recession. Yeah, this is sort of saying we're heading the right way, but... But, but we need to cap it somehow. Like we, we need, the RBA needs to, well, it's not just the RBA, is it? 
I guess it is. Like surely their mandate's not like, right, we're just going to keep taking jobs away until until we're happy with where we're at. With inflation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're going to Sometimes do. I think you just don't listen. Like <laughs> we've been talking about this for two years. I like, keep telling is... you that I'm not listening. Who's, not, <laughs> who's really not listening? <laughs> Cool. Yeah, no, but that, no, that's right. That's exactly what the RBA's, that's the RBA's mandate as an inflation targeting central bank. And that was part of the review was like, let's try and broaden that a little. But like in practice, like the world, like world's best practice of how you run a central bank and run an economy is mm. you dedicate inflation, you dedicate the central bank to inflation, make mm. it its sole focus and, you know, keep the full forward out of the game effectively and then let fiscal policy worry about everything else. Mm. And so that's that's sort of what the RBA's mandate here is like, well, until until inflation gets down to where we'd like it to be, unemployment needs to keep heading higher. Nah, just, I, hate, I hate the world sometimes because I just hate that this... <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. we can't have we can't have nice things. It's like, well, if we want lower mm. inflation, then some people are going to have to lose their jobs. It's like, well, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Wait till I tell you about climate change. <laughs> <laughs> right, Thomas. Time to tune in with the consumer sentiment data. Are consumers happy? No, no. Right. Consumer sentiment's back in the toilet. Huh. Yeah, it fell 7.9%. This is Westpac's Melbourne Institute Consumer Sentiment Survey is one of our go-to surveys. You know how I, you know how I often lament the fact that nobody asks me about these surveys? Oh, it yeah. turns out, <laughs> I should have known, it turns out because it's because I don't answer my phone to uh, phone calls uh, that I don't recognise. <laughs> yeah, right. So because someone actually left a message saying that they were from a survey company the other day and I was like, uh, ah, that's why nobody ever asks me about these things It's because I screen yeah. everybody, everybody from phoning right. me. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. So not happy. Not happy, down. Mm. And so that's, that's the lowest level. Like it is weird. Like it's the, we're back at the lows we saw during peak COVID, mm. like when COVID was really ramping up. And lowest level since, you know, just the impact, just as the GFC was breaking. Wow. So we're like it. We're like at intense recessionary levels when it comes to that's, consumer that's sentiment. Downright misery. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd. It just hasn't bounced back. Yeah, which is weird. But people have got money, haven't they? I mean, you know, we we keep hearing about this this war chest of mm. savings, or, or has that run out now? And people are like, nah, well, that's all gone. Uh, any money we saved during COVID, we've spent that. And, yeah. and interest rates have gone up and mortgage is increasing and people have come off their fixed rates and now it's just doom and gloom again. The part of that's right. Like I think the war chest of saving story, when you, mm. when you dig into that, it's very skewed to high income earners and older people. Right. Like sort of high wealth people and yep. older people just tend to have higher wealth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very skewed. And so like while there was a lot of money in the war chest mm. in, in aggregate in Australia's war chest, when you looked at who actually had it, right. it was mostly quite well off people. And yeah, okay. the bulk of the majority of people didn't. So, and the majority of people are dealing with rate hikes and that's mm. sort of what's, what's keeping um, rate hikes and inflation. So that's what's, what's keeping downward pressure on, on consumer sentiment. Which explains, I think, why some people generally 
genuinely got pretty angry when they get told there's there's a war chest of savings going around because I think a lot of people are just like that. I don't have that. I don't have that thing mm. you're talking about that we've all got. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to make your job more insecure, <laughs> but you have a war chest of savings. <laughs> it's lucky you've got that war chest of savings, isn't it? I haven't got one. No, you do. We've all got one. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And you're spending too much money on frivolous. <laughs> consumption items we can see in the data. No, yeah. Right. So yeah. does that I mean, mean then that does that mean then that not all consumers are sad at the moment? Like Yeah, well that's right. So if you if you break that down, then hmm. yes, it's definitely people so renters and people with a mortgage and young people hmm. really stick out as people who are feeling bad. Hmm. Which leaves people who own their homes outright. Yeah. Which tends to be older folks boomers. and so you, you can't yeah boomers right uh, you know i didn't want to say it but yeah <laughs> okay boomer <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you can you can break you can break down consumption data by age mm. and in real terms if you're under 44 years of old you're not consuming <laughs> any sorry you said years of old it made me chuckle years, for some reason years, <laughs> under 44 years, years, years of age years yeah. of age right yeah <laughs> Um, your real consumption hasn't gone anywhere in a decade. Right. If you're over you know, 45 to 55, it's gone up a little bit. And then mm. if you're over 65, it's gone up quite a lot. Right. And so the interesting thing is like what we've got is a boomer powered economy because consumption is the biggest driver of economic growth. Mm. Boomers are almost single-handedly driving real household consumption. I was thinking we would be better off heading towards a solar powered economy, but <laughs> boomer power. <laughs> <laughs> I like I the sound of that. Yes. <laughs> get, get them on their exercise bikes, just churning out, <laughs> churning out household power, drive down energy bills. It's, it's win-win. Yeah, yeah. So, so that yeah. So, Tar- Tarek Brooker is an independent economist. He had, he had a, some interesting charts on this on Twitter during the week, and yeah. So it's like it's all it's all boomers. Right. Like the point isn't that they're old. The point is that they mm. own their home is outright. Like that's the big difference. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we shouldn't we shouldn't like. You don't want to get into like, oh, there's a generational thing mm. and everyone who's over 65 is having a great time because if you're renting and you're over 65, you're having a really miserable time right yeah, now. Right. And for, you know, women 60 years and over is the biggest, is the fastest growing homelessness cohort right now. Right. Yep. So, yeah, so it's not, it's, not, it's not an age dimension. It's whether you own a house or not because if you own your house outright, mm. uh, then, you, then you, you, you're not feeling any pain from, from rate hikes. All right, so if boomers are driving the economy, how do we slow that down or do we just wait for it to happen because they're going to drive slow because they're boomers? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky. You got, you're trying to slow, the RBA is trying to slow the economy. So if, if boomers are going to keep consuming, mm. either we crunch consumption in the other cohorts so much that we offset the, the extra spending coming from, from older cohorts. Mm. So that's one way to, to bring, slow the economy. Or you, kind of the only way to break boomers is to break house prices. So right. if, cause, cause a lot of them are spending based on how, on the wealth effect out of the, um, increase in house prices, making them feel wealthier. If that's, if that starts to slow, they'll feel less wealthy and they might consume less. That's like, not, it's not a boomer story. That's, you know, if you own your home outright, mm. that's, that's the only way you slow that. So is to break house prices. But by the time you break house prices, you've broken a lot of other things as well on the way yeah. down. Like it's kind of hard to see a story where we, you know, don't bring inflation down 
on the road to crashing house prices doesn't involve bringing inflation down some pretty dramatically somehow mm. anyway. <laughs> like you'd have to have pretty high unemployment to bring house prices down. So like there's a lot of other things that break along the way. So probably that really leaves like, you know, I think older cohorts, people who own their own home are going to come through this period doing pretty well. Mm. And it's up for people who are renting or have a mortgage to, to bear the brunt of the RBA's anger. There must be something we can tax, surely. Like... I don't know. Can we just tax mm. rugs or something? Like <laughs> all forms of rug, nan- like <laughs> nano rugs, hallway rugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think know. they own their, own their rugs out right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've still, still got a mortgage on my rug. All right, why don't we take a break here? We'll grab a word from this week's sponsor. And after the break, we're going to be looking at Argentina's inflation rate at 97%, as well as having a look at why Binance has stopped receiving Aussie dollars. We'll be back with more right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send it to cve at equitymates.com or via the website equitymates.com forward slash cve or you'll also find us on Instagram and Facebook at cve podcast. In fact, I've started a bit of a... uh, a bit of a social media blitz, Thomas. You'll be pleased today. Oh. So it's going off. So go and check that out. Uh, but Thomas, with mortgage rates up around the fives now here in Australia, I'm just wondering how that compares with other countries. What are interest rates at in, oh, I don't know, Argentina, for example? Uh, it's funny you asked. I was just mm. looking into uh, Argentina this week. Cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Seamless. <laughs> Yeah, anyone want to have a stab at where interest rates are in Argentina? I don't know, somewhere like 73%. Exactly, yeah, 97%. Ooh. Yeah, 97%. They were up, the Central Bank of Argentina increased rates 600 basis points last month. Hang on, so I thought you said inflate, like we said in the intro that inflation was Mm. at 97%. So you're saying interest rates are at 97% as well? No, 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 I think you just misread the intro and I just didn't. Couldn't be bothered correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like wasting my time. <laughs> no, yeah. So interest rates interest rates are up to ninety seven percent. Annual inflation's over a hundred percent. Came in over a hundred, like one hundred and two percent last month. Yeah. So yeah. So they've got. I don't know if you call that hyperinflation, but it's getting pretty close. So yeah. <laughs> if it's not, what is? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, it got up to like ten thousand percent in Germany during the thirties or something. Oh, did it? 
Yeah, yeah. So that, there's still another pretty, level. That's up. pretty hyper. That's hyper. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so and only Venezuela and Zimbabwe have the have high interest, higher inflation at the moment. Right. So that's, that's not a good club to be hanging out in no. with inflation that that high. Okay, so they're at, they're at a hundred ish percent inflation. Yeah, and I mean the Argentinian economy has been struggling for quite a long time, um, but then yeah, got hit with the drought this year. So they're uh, they're okay. a major made a major grains exporter. Right. Yeah, it's got its worst drought in history. Its soy <sighs> corn and wheat crops are all yeah all smashed, which means and that's sort of that's destroyed export revenue, hmm. and so that's crashed the peso. So that's down twenty three percent this year so far. So it's like that's yeah hitting south that's pretty rotten quickly. Luck too, because. Because when mm. the war in Ukraine broke out, didn't mm. we? Didn't didn't Russia's wheat prices exploded? Yeah, they mm. exploded. So Russia stopped exporting grain and wheat, and mm. prices exploded. Like yeah. Argentina would have been rubbing their hands, and then like next minute, yeah, drought. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah unlucky, unlucky. Mm. Yeah, and then what happens when you when the peso collapses mm. is that everything that you buy from overseas becomes much more expensive, and so that feeds directly into inflation. All right. Yeah, so you got yeah, so it's yeah, tough story for in Argentina right now. Mm. How do you how do you live with that kind of inflation? Like, what does that what does that look like in someone's kind of life? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing I was doing a little reading on this is like it's like it just creates kind of chaos, like that kind of prices. Like it's just mm. so hard to predict to know because you got to set businesses sort of have to set their prices almost daily, mm. but they don't know what to set at, and so they're trying to you know you you imagine you're selling milk in your grocer grocer grocery store mm. you got to set the price but you don't you want to set the price that's going to you know is going to give you a margin so you can at least make a profit mm. but then you also you also need to sort of know what everyone else is doing and they're all trying to figure out what to do mm. you know it's not like you, you know here you just go oh, bread you know bread six dollars and we'll just leave it at that for the for for a couple of months and then see how we go you got to you got to do it almost daily like and then consumers are, yeah 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 Mm. Yeah, and then consumers are having to do the same thing as well. So they're saying like, you know, you, people go, they call them treasure hunts. They go and, you know, got to find, you go to one place for detergent and then you go mm. for another place for eggs. And um, yeah, so just, just, just a hassle. Like mm. is, I mean, yeah, a lot, a lot of dangers, but yeah, big hassle as well, which, which just makes everything harder. Mm. Um, the other thing is in Argentina, like there's no mortgage market. So if you want to buy a house, you got you got to pay with cash. Oh, all right. Yeah, so there's no mortgage market because like with you know interest rates at ninety seven percent and like how to how do banks know what how to price a mortgage or how to you know what how to give you a mortgage? And so like, do you mean there's no mortgage market just at the moment because of rampant inflation and high interest rates, or they don't have a mortgage market at all? I think they don't. I think they don't have one at all. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think because they haven't sort of had the economic stability for the past. Or generation to. Well, to don't interest rates become a little bit irrelevant then in a no lending environment? I guess they're like, I mean, still, still people buy things with credit, businesses still no, invest with credit. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. You okay. just don't have, yeah, the mortgage market's not a transmission mechanism like it is here. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the, and the, other, the other thing I saw is like they have a saying called Quema la Plata. Mm. Which I'm sure I've just nailed the pronunciation of. Of course. It's what we don't do. Don't bother correcting me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that means burn the money. So it's the idea, like if you if you get if you get money in your pocket, there's no point hanging on to it because it's just devaluing really quickly. So you so you want to spend it as fast as possible. 
and I saw an interview with a guy who bought a, a Toyota Hilux in 2018 for 4.5 million pesos. Mm. Six months later, it was worth 7.5 and now it's worth $12 million. Twelve wow. million pesos. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's like, but I mean, that's not keeping place with inflation. But it's mm. like, yeah, it was much better to put that money into a high lux than it was to hang on to the money. Which creates this weird thing where people are then spending, and people like spend really quickly. As soon as they earn money, they're spending, which is good for your economy if you're trying to activate it. Not good if you're trying to slow it down from mm. hyperinflation. Yeah, right. Or trying to build it as a pool of savings that you can invest from. You know, so people aren't saving money because it's not just losing value. So they're getting mm. out and spending it as fast as possible. Is that where people just start buying things like gold and stuff like that? Is that where? Yeah. I don't know. Because you, yeah. you need to put your money somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. you just buy an asset of some kind, maybe yeah. not gold. Yeah. Or some, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something that's going to that access that store of value. Right. Because that's, I mean, that's that, you know, they talk money, the, one of the fundamental uses of money is it acts as a store of value. Mm that you sell something, you've got, you capture the value in money and then you can transfer that through time and then turn that value into something else. What does it do to, to salaries? Like if you're, if you're earning $100 a day and inflation's running at 100% or higher, then what do, empo- what do employers do? What do employees do? Like you can't be changing yeah. people's job salaries all the time to try and keep, keep pace with inflation. At that rate, I think, I think, I think you do. I think you do. I think, yeah, you got to. I mean, you can't, you know, like like with 100% inflation, you're halving people's salaries every year. Yeah. That needs to to keep up. (laughs) I'd love to go into that meeting. (laughs) <laughs> requesting a pay rise. How much would you like? Uh, 150% of what I'm on now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that sounds reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, same time next week. <laughs> yeah. All right, finally on the show this week, Thomas, it has been a rough few days for the crypto exchange Binance. Uh, what's happened to Binance in Australia? Yeah, they got they got hit with a double whammy on Thursday. Mm. So first up, they announced that they'd lost pay ID functionality. So you can no longer pay ID, send money to Binance through pay ID or deposit from an Australian, Australian bank. Oh. So you now need to, yeah, you now need to log on and buy it with your credit card, deposit through your credit card. <laughs> it doesn't seem like an, a, a notable kind of step forward, but I guess it is. makes it just a little bit harder. Yeah, a little bit. Like I argue if, if, if they've, you know, we've effectively pushed people towards buying crypto with credit, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a great outcome. Yeah. <laughs> people will now have to use Afterpay, Afterpay to buy yeah. some crypto. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's probably where it's going. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're saying they've lost pay ID functionality through their third party is cut, has cut them off. So, Cuscal, right. yep. the, the company that facilitates pay ID, they said Binance is a dumpster fire, and we wanted to get as far away from that train wreck <laughs> as possible. <laughs> That's I mean, not I'm really I'm, what they said, is it? I'm reading. I'm reading a little bit between the lines right. there, paraphrasing. But, Paraphrasing, yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah, so no, they're saying that they've got, they just can't, uh, they've got strict sort of due diligence, and mm. um, and they just can't, they just can't make that happen with Binance. It's they just, it's too opaque. They don't know what's going on there. Okay, so so they're cut off, mm-hmm. and then then the same day, Westpac came out and said that they're rolling out a series of scam protection measures, and you can no longer 
deal Westpac customers will no longer have access to uh, Binance at all. Right. I think Westpac came out and said that they were cutting off access to a number of crypto exchanges, including mm. Binance. So this one wasn't, I don't think they were targeting Binance per se, but yeah. they kind of no, just they, went. Uh, they did, the, the quote from Chris Whittingham, the general manager of Risk uh. and Fraud said, Binance is a scam and all you crypto chads need to pull your head in. <laughs> No, yeah. They, so they, they didn't. They didn't single out Binance in particular, but okay. they they're sending a trial in quotation marks. Mm. Like it seems pretty permanent, but they're calling it a trial um, and saying blocking customers from sending dollars to high risk exchanges. Mm. Binance just happens to be one, but they didn't. They didn't name them specifically. Digital exchanges have a legitimate role to play, but we have blocked access to some overseas exchanges that are used more frequently than others for scams. Mm. And so their, their internal data they pointed to said that um, investment scams account for approximately half of all scam losses right. and a third of all scam payments are transferred directly to cryptocurrency exchanges. There'd be a lot of like cybercrime too. I mean, crypto is big in, in the cybercrime world, you know, like you, if you've yeah. ever had the misfortune of seeing your computer being locked out and, and told to unlock all your data, you'll need to, um, you need to pay yes. a ransomware gang, then that typically happens through through Bitcoin yeah, and through an exchange. Yeah. I mean, this seems to be the fallout from Silvergate. Like Silvergate became, became, you know, positioned itself from this like tiny little regional bank somewhere mm. out in the backwaters of America to being the crypto hub, the yeah. bank for the crypto industry. And it seems like they did that by just letting anyone with a heartbeat mm. go through them into the exchange, which meant all sorts of, you know, nefarious characters yes nefarious purposes <laughs> uh, so what's the yeah. what's the future for Binance here then are, are they like this is Binance Australia so Binance is a pretty huge I think it's the biggest crypto exchange in the world isn't it oh it is now yeah hands down right yeah it was sort of neck and neck with FTX before yep. revealed that FTX was also a scam <laughs> Um, <laughs> FTX was also one of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world until it turns out it was actually one of the tiniest. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think Binance is done. Like this is the same week they 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 pulled out of uh, Canada, so right. Canada Canada cut them off. Um, launch, yeah, and they just said, oh, we can't we can't deal with the regulations that are coming down on us. The FT, FTC in the US has got legal action against them because they're not they're not doing enough to stop US customers from getting on the on the exchange, even right. though US customers aren't supposed to be there. They, somehow they keep ending up oh, there. Really? So the not, FTX is. I assume yeah. the bulk of their their customer base was in the US. I think it is. Right. They're just not supposed to be. <laughs> I don't might need to check. I haven't looked into that one too deeply, but right. more and more they're going to get cut off from the from the developed world. Yeah, because, right. Yeah, because I mean we don't even know where Binance is located. Maybe it was Malta. Maybe it's the Cayman Islands. Mm. Yeah, it has been used for for this sort of stuff, and it it sort of it sort of existed in a sort of regulatory mm. black hole, and no one's been looking at it, but. When you, once you start looking at it, once you start looking what it can be used for, I'm not saying that everyone on Binance is, you know, money laundering, but mm. it has that capacity and governments don't really like that. But so does every exchange, right? Like we've got, there's Australian-owned exchanges, there's, you know, every exchange I guess has, to some extent, has mm. the, it's, it's got the ability to convert your fiat currency into crypto coins Mm. At which point you could do anything you like with them. Like, mm, you know, mm. it's just a sort of gateway to, to 
or an on-ramp, I think, as some people call it, to, mm, to get in, mm. to get into crypto. And you don't necessarily have to then stay and then bank with your local crypto exchange like you would a normal bank. You can just move mm. your crypto coins straight out into a different wallet. You can pay a scammer. Mm. You can do whatever. So isn't that kind of, I don't know, it's not so much a criticism of Binance in a sense, more a criticism of the whole crypto model. Yeah, I think that's right. Or is it the fact that there's no there's no governance and there's no insight into Binance? Like, is that what there's is that the bigger problem? So, regulators in Australia have some visibility into the the operations of the local ones, whether that's SwiftX or CoinSpot or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But Binance is kind of running in a bit of a bit of a shadow. I, yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's right. It's probably not like Binance is probably you know central to this because it, just because it is the biggest. And it, yeah, potentially it is a, is a story for more exchanges. Mm. Yeah, and governments. Yeah, it's like it's it's going to be whack a mole for a while. Like we, you know, going to try mm. to try to bring this sort of under, un, you know, to to plug that gap in the financial system. Governments will try to do that, I think, unless there's sort of a there's some hardcore Republicans that are still pushing to sort of open it up. But I think once people once once you once you have the first funded terrorist attack. Mm. through crypto i think that that'll be the that'll break the government's will to sort of keep supporting hmm. like or like keep that window open and we'll just keep trying to close it and it'll, they'll duck and weave i think the crypto space will duck and weave for a while but i think it's i think it's to me it looks like an existential threat what does this mean for crypto generally then do you think is it is it is it the beginning of the end yeah i'm a long-term bear obviously hmm. well, we talked about this before but i think i mean i think as as it gets harder for the exchanges you, i mean the thing to remember is like there's still no use case for crypto, like it's still not being used functionally as a, for transaction or as a store of value. So it's still not performing like money. Mm. The only thing it's doing is acting as a speculative asset. Mm. But for, for that to happen, there needs to be trading, trading, because if there's not trading, the, the, you can't speculate. And mm. so as trading dries up, you know, and like must be like 99.9% of all crypto transaction is just a speculative bet of some kind mm. as that as the and that's done through exchanges as the exchanges make that speculative betting harder to do and gets it gets pushed further and further away from the core of the financial system and which means harder and harder to access by your average ordinary australian or average ordinary punter mm. um, who's not willing to sort of you know invest in sort of all the skills and knowledge that's required to go completely off grid with their with their gambling, that that volume of trading declines. As the volume of trading declines, that means demand falls falls and the price falls. Hmm. Like it's that's a natural consequence to me. So I think, I think it does. Yeah, it's definitely price negative. And I think that's as the more the, the more this happens, the more stuff like this goes on, the more downward pressure there is on the crypto. Sp- price overall i think all right cool well uh if you are interested in crypto um and learning a lot more about crypto don't forget there is the crypto curious podcast from equity mates uh where i'm sure they'll be covering this story uh and everything else uh in much more detail in the crypto space so make sure you check that one out we look forward to talking to you again next time on comedian versus economist but for now it is bye from us you have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.